What's up, revelers and weirdos? Welcome to Scaring Sam, where I attempt to spook my fiance with horror, give a meaningful explanation why, and she questions why she wants to marry me. I'm your host, James Reese, aka the Angry Llama of Discontent, and Sam isn't here this week as she's on a work assignment. Don't know if you heard, but a massive landmass rose up out of the Pacific Ocean and Sam was selected to maintain the filtration systems for the apparatus used extensively on the excavation. Apparently, whatever this island is, it resembles some kind of lost city with weird architecture. The last message I received from Sam read, All hail Cthulhu! May he drown this world in the shadow of his majesty. Sounds like she's having a great time. Send me a postcard, honeybee. Anyway. Let's face it, at some point, when we were kids watching children's TV, there was a moment we found creepy, disturbing, or downright terrifying. Whether it was intentional or not on the part of the creators, an attempt to find more creative ways to entertain children has led to some freaky imagery. We have all experienced that moment. It's universal. It's a rite of passage. Another tick off the list that our self-aware minds make to let us know you're going to die someday. Too dark? Did I get too dark too soon? Question is, what moment in children's TV scarred you for life? And more importantly, was it one of these moments? Let's start with... The Animals of Farming Wood. I remember this cartoon very well. Aired between 93 to 95, the first series follows a bunch of woodland creatures led by Fox as they're forced to flee their home from us, basically. Suburban sprawl means housing development, which means the destruction of nature. These fluffy bunch of characters are literal refugees. Of course, I didn't know this when I was six. I just wanted to watch a bunch of cartoon animals go on an adventure as they relocate to a nature reserve. Nope. What I got was an endless tirade of death like watching a disaster movie where the cast of characters are slowly picked off one by one until the last few survivors remain. It was a bloodbath. A goddamn bloodbath. The most harrowing moment still burned into my memory. Near the end of the first series, the animals have to cross a busy highway to reach the nature reserve. It's the last hurdle they have to overcome before they're safe. But the hedgehog couple are afraid and keep curling up into balls. As they cling to each other, begging and pleading to keep moving, they're run over by an articulated lorry. I think that's the moment I discovered the concept of death. And I'm okay with that. In hindsight, I'm glad children's TV was far more merciless back in the 90s, because I'd rather come to terms with the brutal death of a bunch of cartoon animals, instead of my mum trying to explain to me what death is, with one of my grandparents or pets past. The animals of Farthing Wood did my parents a favour. The other day, I told Sam about this when we were video chatting, and she said, why are you telling me this just before I go to bed? What is wrong with me? After dabbling with the darkness on films such as The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, Jim Henson continued to push to see how far his audience was willing to go with the storyteller which didn't mollycoddle us with its retelling of dark folktales. Airing in the late 90s, 
Henson became fascinated by the concept of these European folk tales when his eldest daughter took a class at Harvard, particularly those deemed unfamiliar by Western culture. Using the full might of Henson's creature shop, fantasy worlds were brought to life by the incredible clothing, makeup, and puppetry, as we met devils, hedgehog men, and other monsters that inhabited these lands. Used as a framing device, John Hurt provided gravitas to the storyteller as he told his tales to his ever-excitable dog, voiced by Brian Henson, who hung on his every word while providing comic relief in the episode's more turbulent moments. And boy, there was certainly a fair share in this show. When you have a woman give birth to a man-hedgehog hybrid, amongst other ungodly sights. The most notable of these stories is The Soldier and Death, where the soldier of the title discovers a cunning means to trick his way out of dying, only for both heaven and hell to reject him when he finally wants to move on. Ultimately, he is fated to roam the earth, alone, for all eternity. Pretty heavy stuff for a children's TV show with puppets. Is it me, or is there something off with stop-motion animation? Especially in regards to the depiction of humans. Maybe it's the way these characters move. The way their faces shift and contort when making an expression. It's all very unsettling at times. Two examples have been forever etched into my brain. The Gnome King in Disney's Return to Oz, constantly shifting from actor in prosthetic makeup to inhuman claymation monstrosity. But this is Return to Oz. The Gnome King is but one of many in a montage of nightmare fuel in this movie. The shining beacon of Emerald City, now left in ruin. Scarecrow, Tin Man and Lion? You remember those beloved characters who sing a catchy tune? Yeah, they've been turned into lifeless statues, like the rest of the people in the city. Oh, what's that chasing Dorothy? It's those creepy bastards, the Wheelers. And to top it all off, there's an evil witch who has a gallery of women's heads she can swap between. This is a Disney children's movie, isn't it? Not a horror. That fine line is soon crossed in The Adventures of Mark Twain, a 1985 stop-motion animation which just so happens to have the most chilling depiction of the devil ever. The three kids who follow Mark Twain on his merry escapades meet the mysterious stranger, a softly spoken headless guy whose face is a shape-shifting masquerade mask. Turns out this guy is an angel. Great! An angel who introduces himself as Satan. Ah. After tempting his children with free fruit, Satan wants to teach them a lesson, I guess, by bringing to life a tiny village of clay people who the kids had a hand in making. Things take a disturbing turn when Satan deeming us humans to be a worthless, greedy lot, promptly kills a couple of the clay people under his iron fist, before orchestrating an earthquake that wipes out the entire village. The lesson being the value and frailty of life. The kids naturally flee, and who blames them? And we leave Satan alone in the abyss. As we part ways, he leaves us with one final message. Nothing exists, saves empty space and you. And you are but a fault. Oh, thanks, Satan. I didn't intend to have an existential crisis when I sat down to watch this animation, but here we are. Remember, this is a kids' movie, because the creators of it certainly forgot during this scene 
and a terrifying jump scare that quickly follows it. I asked my big brother if anything from children's TV scared him. His response? I don't know. Skeletor. Skeletor. Why? Because his rippling muscles and six-pack threatened to force you out of the closet? Skeletor. What a stupid answer. Children of the Stone was a seven-part series that debuted on the BBC in 1977. It was dubbed by comedian Stuart Lee in a radio documentary as the scariest programme ever made for children. It revolves around a village whose people are controlled by the Neolithic stones that surround it. I haven't seen it myself, but the title sequence is some trippy nightmare fuel in and of itself. While doing research for this episode, one name kept on creeping up on these lists of creepy children TV shows and characters. The name of some demonic entity, at least in appearance, called Mr. Nosy Bonk. Mime artist Adrian Headley played the masked character on the BBC show Jigsaw from the early 80s. During the show's puzzle-solving antics, he was meant to provide comic relief, but the bug-eyed, staring, creepy smile just made everyone watching uncomfortable. As the name suggests, Nosy Bonk gets his name from his massive phallic nose. And if you look at clips on YouTube, you'll discover how unintentionally disturbing the imagery was. So notorious was Mr. Nosy Bonk's reputation that he supposedly inspired the character of Mr. Chuckleteeth in the X-Files episode Familiar. For those who grew up in the 90s, Are You Afraid of the Dark was likely your gateway into horror, providing both frights and fun for its young viewers. The premise is simple enough. The Midnight Society takes turns presenting spooky stories around the campfire, with each episode a different story to frighten the audience. And for the most part, the show succeeded. Unlike other children's TV that was meant to terrify the viewer, I'm looking at you, Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark didn't pander to the viewer or hold back. The title sequence alone sets the tone and puts you on edge for the remainder of the runtime. All those monsters, creepy moments and eerie atmosphere that left an imprint on our young impressionable minds back in the day that stayed with us all this time. As impactful now, we're adults over 20 years later. Not convinced? Watch the tale of the laughing in the dark to change your mind. Who's afraid of clowns? Everyone now. Finally, I'd like to share with you my personal choice that I consider the most unintentionally disturbing children's TV show that scarred me for life. Don't laugh. It was the 90s version of Moo Men. Seriously, I asked you guys not to laugh. Right, okay, hear me out. This adaptation of a Japanese, Finnish, Dutch anime, which aired in the UK in 1991, the show focused on the Moomin family who live in their Moomin house in the peaceful Moomin Valley. And yes, I'm already sick and tired saying Moomin. Their adventures tended to revolve around the discovery of strange creatures, which for me were usually the source of unease. The way they looked, the way they moved, right down to the sound made with every footstep. Perhaps it's that interesting mix of cultures behind the production or being exposed to the oddity of anime by someone so young, or trying to dub English dialogue over this nonsensical show. Whatever it may be, Moomin is frankly a batshit crazy fever dream. It's as if David Lynch decided to create a cartoon. 
all those people who have dabbled with DMT and encountered strange elf-like creatures have actually travelled to Moomin Valley while tripping off their balls. It's deeply unsettling as a kid to watch a cartoon so utterly bonkers when your frame of reference regarding animation is Looney Tunes and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Check out the Groke, this huge, smiling monster that stalks Moomin Valley, killing every living thing it crosses. And the appearance of the Moomin themselves. Ever heard of masking memories? These are memories constructed by the mind to supplant a real, more emotionally painful one. Moon men with their oversized eyes, featureless faces and white skin remind me of aliens. Do you know what terrified me in the 90s? Aliens. They're bloody everywhere. Oh, oh, I just remembered another moment that freaked me out. Anybody else remember in Biker Grove when Ant of Ant and Deck, only they were PJ and Duncan at this point, Anybody else remember when Ant was blinded by having his eyes shot out by paintballs? He can't see, man! Jesus Christ. Because of that, I have never played a game of paintball. Never have, never will. Talk about trauma. Geordie trauma. Of course, there's plenty of shows I haven't touched upon. The utterly surreal Round the Twist. The after-school series surrounding a family who lived in a lighthouse with the earworm of a theme tune that touched upon... Death, body horror, and mermaids. The demon headmaster with Terence Hardyman in a titular row with his dead eye stare. And how could we forget Marshall Teller's investigations in Erie, Indiana, the centre of weirdness for the universe? That deserves an episode on its own. Basically, the moral of this episode is, if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, You've already had a lifetime of trauma by simply watching children's TV. This is why us millennials are so fucked up. You wonder why the world is a complete dumpster fire these days? Just look at what we watched growing up. We're traumatised because of movement. What moment scarred you for life? Let us know. Maybe we can all attend group therapy together. You can't see, man! You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ScaringSamPod, and get in touch at ScaringSamPod at gmail.com. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It's always appreciated. And of course, stay safe out there tonight. <laughs> <laughs>